Um, go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we uh, come to you tonight and we thank you for uh, the, the answers to prayer that we see tonight. We thank you for how you have, have brought um, Lord Deborah through and Mike through um, uh, surgeries and, and procedures and, and Father, uh, you're healing them and, and we're very thankful for that. Thank you that Harper and Sawyer are feeling better uh, this evening. We, um, Lord, we just pray, we, we praise you for how you, uh, Lord, you're so good and you respond to our prayers. Father, we um, do pray tonight for uh, Mike as he continues to, to heal. Pray that you'll be with him and uh, with Sheila, Father, and, and uh, with the family. And um, Lord, we pray for uh, Jacob tonight. We thank you that he has uh, made it to Vermont. We pray that you continue to, to strengthen and sustain him as he continues on his journey. Uh, Lord, we we pray for uh, McKinley and, and Logan and Lawson and their sickness, Lord. We pray that you would, would heal their bodies, uh, Father, and restore them to health. Um, Father, we, we thank you for tonight and this chance we have to meet together as a church family to, uh, Lord, to worship, to look at your word, uh, to learn and, and be taught. And so, Father, we just pray tonight that you would... Uh, Lord, teach us and, and that you would feed us, uh, Father, through your word and, and by your spirit. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight, if you would open with me to Psalm uh, chapter 63. Psalm 63. We're going to look at, look at that a little bit, a little bit later this evening, um, and we're going to look at a lesson tonight entitled "From Longing to Satisfaction." And so we're going to start tonight with a, an illustration. Um, so imagine if I gave you one M M&M. and M. That's it, just one. Would that, would that be satisfying? Would that, that fulfill your longing for, for candy or for chocolate or for something sweet? And, and it is a regular size M&M. He's kind of blown up for the screen, but it's a regular size M&M. Would it fulfill you? And, no, I mean, the way I look at it is if you're just going to give me one, might as well not even give me that one. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't satisfy. Well, what, if, what if we gave you a whole pack full of m and would that satisfy? Well, it, it might right now, but what about tomorrow or, or what about next week? Like how many M&Ms would you have to eat before you decided, I, I don't need any more? Like for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm done with M&Ms. Well, it, we know it, it doesn't really work that way. Does, unless maybe if you got sick eating them, that might hold you off for a while. But, um, but you, you see the point that... The way it works is things like M&M's or any other food that we could eat or, or experiences we could have or, or things that we could purchase or, or buy, 
they only satisfy for a very short amount of time. Um, it, it does not last. And so in the same way, we see that the, the lust and the sinful desires of our hearts cannot fulfill and, and satisfy us in life. Not long term. You know, things that, that go against God's word that, that so many times our, our flesh desires. Um, they don't satisfy. And as a matter of fact, we see that so many times the more we feed the sinful desire, the more they grow and the more we want. It seems to work that way. It, it reminds me of the scene from The, the Lion and the Witch in the, in the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis of um, when one of the, the characters, Edmund, little boy, um, met with this, uh, the white witch there. And um, this is what we see in, in the scene. It's an illustration where C.S. Lewis is, is illustrating sin with candy. Same kind of idea. He, he, he brings this out. And this is what it says. It says, while he was eating, the queen kept asking him questions. At first, Edmund tried to remember that it is rude to speak with one's mouth full. But soon he forgot about this and thought only of trying to shovel down as much Turkish delight as he could. And the more he ate, the more he wanted to eat. And he never asked himself why the queen should be so inquisitive. See how it takes over his mind and it's all he can think about and he wants more and more. Later it says, at last the Turkish delight was all finished and Edmund was looking very hard at the empty box and wishing that she would ask him whether he would like some more. Probably the queen knew quite well what he was thinking for she knew, though Edmund did not, that this was enchanted Turkish delight and that anyone who had once tasted it would want more and more of it and would even, if they were allowed, go on eating it till they killed themselves. Such a vivid illustration of, with this candy in the story of the way that sin works in the mind and in the heart of a person. Just keep wanting more and more and more the more we feed it. Um, and like we talked about, wanting stuff and, and wanting money and wanting friends or wanting some kind of skill, perhaps, of, of playing an instrument or, or wanting certain physical characteristics about ourselves that we, we don't have. And all of these things, sinful hearts are so prone to look for satisfaction in, in things that will not satisfy. The flesh in us does that. Listen to what Solomon wrote in, in Ecclesiastes. It says, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. All my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil that I had expend, expended by doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. That's incredible passage. All vanity. It was empty. It was worthless. It was of no significance. 
could not satisfy himself to eat. He denied himself nothing that he wanted. Well, when we go to the New Testament, we look in the book of John and where Jesus has this interaction with this woman at the well and um, he said this to her. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so we, we see the contrast that Jesus speaks about. We can, we can drink water from the well and be thirsty again, or we can drink the water that he provides and never thirst again. And here, what, what is Jesus saying? He's using this metaphor, this figure of speech, to say that, that unlike anything else in this world, he is what is truly and eternally satisfying. We see the similar language used in the, in, in the Old Testament Psalms. In Psalm 42, we read this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So this same idea, same imagery of, of physical thirst being compared to, to a spiritual thirst of the soul. A longing and, and a desire to be satisfied and to be fulfilled. And the only one who truly and fully brings this satisfaction for this soul thirst that we have in us is Christ. That's it. And yet we know that, that even as believers, we struggle with this. So often we, we spend our time and our energy pursuing things that will not last. We Things that won't satisfy. Again, whether it's, it's a material possession, whether it's a recognition for achievements or, or fun and excitement and, and entertainment in this life, it, none of it brings lasting joy and satisfaction. And so um, I'll share with you a couple of um, quotes from, from this lesson. All people spend their lives pursuing what they worship, what their hearts long for. What we want is what we pursue. It also says the pursuit of idols brings temporary satisfaction that brings disillusionment because it's never enough. It brings the pursuit of other idols after the, the first ones don't work. It brings slavery to those idols, and ultimately it brings about death. That's how idolatry works. So if we're going to spend our lives pursuing what we worship, and we don't want that pursuit, we don't want that worship to be of idols of our hearts that we make, then what should we do? That's the question, and we find the answer tonight in Psalm 63. So look with me there at verse 1. And there we read, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My, my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Again, very vivid, um, very picturesque description 
We see David here, he, he makes this, this very personal opening statement, God, you are my God, right? It speaks to this relationship that, that David has with the Lord, the, the closeness and the, the intimacy that he has there to be able to call him my God. David also uses these um, adjectives and, and description in, in these verses to, to talk about the longing just to be with the Lord. He, he says, earnestly, I seek you. The, or the, the King James and you King James say, early, I seek you. And, and the word can mean that as well. And, and really, the two go together, right? If you're up early looking for something, <clears throat> You're probably doing it earnestly. You, you, you're doing it with great intent, with, with purpose in mind, with, with a great desire, with this great longing for that which you are searching for. And so that's the idea behind the phrase, earnestly I seek you. And then he says, again, my soul thirsts and my flesh faints for you. Um, and reading this and, and thinking through it, I think probably the, the closest analogy that I could think of um, goes back to high school. So football practice, we officially started August 1st. August 1st, Eastern North Carolina. Hot, humid, two-a-days. So we practice in the morning and practice in the evening. Um, and, of course, the, the first few weeks were before the cuts. Or what are they? They're weed-out weeks, right, where you, you coaches find out who really wants to be there. So they just hammer you. They just beat you down, you know. Um, I remember the coach saying something like one time, like, just, just do 50-yard sprints until I get tired of looking at you. I'll let you know when to stop. Um, and so things like that. And I remember – in those practices, that those water breaks, right? And when you, when you went up there, they had a water hose connected to a, a long piece of PVC pipe with holes drilled in it so the water shot up out of it. You just found you a spot and jumped in. And it's like in that, um, in those practices, like you couldn't get enough to drink almost um, during that time. And so here in a, in a spiritual sense, David is saying that his soul, in the same way, thirsts for the Lord, for his presence, for, for a relationship with him. It's, it's an incredible illustration of the mindset and this heart attitude believers should have towards the Lord. We go on here and read in verses 2 through 4. It says, So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And so we want to look in these verses the way that we see David here pursuing God. Uh, we see in verse 2, first of all, that God, or that David, um, he seeks God in worship, in the sanctuary. So in the temple, in, in the place of, of worship that the Lord had established and given to his people, Israel had consecrated, he, he set it apart for, 
for worship of himself. David goes in there and he, he beholds God in that place. We also see in verse 2 that in this sanctuary that David particularly, he looks for the power or the might of God. Looks for his glory or his, his brilliance, his, his beauty. There in this, this intentional act where, where David's actively looking and seeking to, to see God for who he is and just the, the radiance there of his attributes as he worships. And so then the question that we ask and we wonder about ourselves is, is how often do we intentionally stop, deliberately stop and reflect and, and seek to see the Lord through the study of Scripture and prayer in our own lives. Third, we see in, in verse 3 that uh, David recognizes the faithful love of God. Uh, the, the ESV says steadfast love. Um, other translations have loving kindness. Um, this is a Hebrew word, uh, hesed, that is, is used so many times in the Old Testament and it, it refers to to God's love towards his covenant people. So it's his goodness, his kindness, his mercy um, that, that he has promised to and that he shows towards those who are his people and his children. Um, love that will never waver, it will never change, never stops. It, it, it says here that this love, this goodness, this, this kindness, this mercy of God is better than life itself. So, so David says it's better to have this faithfulness and this loving kindness of God extended to me than to physically live. And as he points this out in verse 3, it says it leads him to, number four, to praise of God. It says, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live, and I will lift up my hands. So the word bless in verse 4, um, translated as praise in, in the New King James, it carries the idea of adoring God with bended knees or, or bowed knees. So it's, it, it's this posture of worship that's being described in this verse. Kneeling down with hands raised uh, with this sincere heart of, of submission and adoration and delight in the God of the universe. Praising His name with our, our lips in prayer and in song. And then when we think about it in our own lives and just to think about pausing and, and, and being and the Lord alone, like in this psalm, being our desire and the delight of our hearts. It's a very important aspect there of our, of our Christian lives that um, we need to pursue as, as David did here. So let's continue. Look with me at verses 5 through 8. There David writes, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings 
I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Once again, the illustration of, of God's presence and his love and his relationship being as satisfying as to the soul as rich food is to the body. And the result we see in these verses is true and lasting satisfaction and joy. Not temporary satisfaction that comes from, from eating a pack of, of M&M's as we talked about before, but true, lasting joy. Our, uh, the lesson again says this. It says, like anything else in life, we get out of our relationship with God what we put into it. If we're half-hearted and wishy-washy in our devotion to God, we will have half-hearted enjoyment of God. But if we're passionate in our pursuit of God, if we are radically devoted to God, we will experience great satisfaction and joy in God. It's such a, a great truth, that the idea that the Christian life is not automatic. It doesn't, um, sanctification is not automatic. You don't just make a profession of faith and then, you know, you never read the word or, or devote yourself to prayer and, and you're just kind of made more like Jesus anyway. That's not the way it works. This is deliberate. This is hard work. This is disciplining our, our bodies and our minds and our souls. This is earnestly seeking the person of God in all of our lives. To know him and to trust him and again, to delight in him. So we'll uh, close tonight with a, a few questions for you to, to think about to yourself. Maybe um, talk about them a little later on with family or with a neighbor or, or friend. And, um, but kind of just to, to evaluate ourselves as we look at this. So um, what does a passionate pursuit of God look like in, in your life specifically what does that look like what it would what would it mean for you to devote great time and effort to pursuing god what does that mean what what would you need to add to your life that's not there now and on the other side what would need to be taken away for you to earnestly pursue satisfaction and joy in the Lord as David does here in Psalm 63. So like I said, something to, to, to take away, to think about, to, to evaluate in your own heart and mind and then with family later on. And um, I hope it, it, it helps produce some good discussion there um, and sanctification. So again, our... Our hearts were so prone to chase after things that, that don't satisfy, but we must work to chase after Christ and that which does. So let's close in a word of prayer this evening. Father, we, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this example in this psalm that we see of, of, of chasing after you, of pursuing you, Father, in, intentionally, deliberately, um, Lord, finding our, our joy and our delight in you. Father, I pray that you would, would work in us to do that, Lord. Uh, pray that you'll be with us as we go now. Lord, as we um, 
Father, just strengthen us. Help us to obey. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you.